0: Today on First Lady and Friends, I had the most inspiring conversation with Heather Van Boren. She was a woman who had a terrible accident, had her legs amputated, and a year out, she sits down and has an amazing conversation about how she's doing now and all the miracles that have happened since the accident. Can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. We are back here on First Lady and Friends. We uh, I've got a a guest today that I just met, um, and I've I've looked at your story uh, and and just been so intrigued as as I think many people have. Um, this is Heather Van Boren. and you have a, just an incredible story, <laughs> and and you've you've experienced some things that I think um, are have changed everything I yes. think for you. So let's let's before we get too much into it, you're tell me a little bit about you. Um you're you're a mom. Yes. And um but where where did you start? Where did you grow up? Tell
1: me a little bit about your family of origin and those okay. kinds of things. Yes. So I grew up in Utah um born and raised Salt Lake and as well my husband did as well. And um we Dated in college and um, got married. Um, we both went to the University of Utah, got married, and then we ended up going away, um, living out of state for about twelve years. And where did you where did you live? We lived in Tucson, Arizona, while my husband went um, did his residency, and then we moved to Sacramento, California, for a fellowship, and decided to stay there. Mm-hmm. And then when my oldest two were just getting t- just close to junior high, I said, we need to go back to Salt Lake. And mm. so here we
0: are. Mm, that's so
1: fantastic. How many and how many children do you have? I have five children. My oldest is 28 and my youngest is 14. So it seems like there's a bit of a spread, but actually my older's are quite um, close in age. And then we had an eight year gap and then my youngest 14 year old oh, that's so, fantastic yeah yeah it's fun <laughs> that that is so fun um
0: so um we so you you were what are some other things that you do you were an athlete yeah. so tell
1: me a little bit about that
0: well we're super active
1: our whole family um i grew up active my my siblings they're all very active a lot of them were runners um climbing hiking biking um and then once Don and I had children, we wanted to be very active as well. And so we did everything outside skiing. Um, It just, we love to be outdoors and quite adventurous as well. Mm. We, we laugh that we feel like we've had a lot of life and death near experiences, but, (laughs) but really we've just had some really fun experiences in our lives. And, and um, we make a point to try to, Include the whole family in those experiences, so it's it's always been very important to us mm-hmm. to be outside and um, sharing nature. We love nature. Mm-hmm. So, did you do a lot of did you do sports or just mostly ag- outdoor
0: recreation type sports out? You know, during high school and when you were younger and stuff like yeah, that.
1: When I was in um, growing up, I I mostly did dance and then. Um, As I got into high school, I did sports outside, not recreation or recreational, sorry, not um, team sports. But as I um, I, I've noticed now with my girls, the you know, they can kind of decide to do anything. But when I was growing up, it was kind of we did dance and that was it. So I was thrilled to kind of get that opportunity to be a tomboy when I got married and because my husband loved doing outdoors Doorsy things, and so we just really um, thought, okay, the sky's the limit, and let's just go for it. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, isn't that fun?
0: I think I yeah. think back, and you know, I played sports in high school, but I remember like thinking, you know, when I was became a mom, I'm like, well, you know, moms don't go play basketball, like like guys do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when you're a little bit older, like my sisters and I would play volleyball together, you know, and the kids would run around on the other side of the gym or something, but it's a little, little tricky, but I, I started running because I didn't need anybody else or any equipment or anything like
1: that. And I'm like, I just need my shoes and I just got to go. And so, yes. And I loved, I loved running for that reason. As a mom of, Um, you know, four young kids, and I was often a single mom, probably a lot like you, I would imagine. I knew that was something I could always do. And living in Utah, I, I loved the seasons. That was what I missed the most living away. And so I would say I would run rain, snow, winter, spring, summer, fall. I loved it all. And so I, I think there were years and years where I really didn't miss, um, You know, I probably ran about three or four times a week. Yeah. Yeah. And and for mental health too, right? Yes. 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 And I love that. And then as I kind of got older, my kids um, were in school. I took up tennis and I loved that for mental health. I made some wonderful friends and I got to go and and enjoy some activity. And it was was just a really great place um, for me to kind of have my own little – um, life aside from my family and, and
0: yeah, that's so great. And I, I love it that, you know, I, I think people get have them, especially, you know, moms of small children. I think it's, it's, I mean, you're up to your eyeballs sometimes yeah. and it's, it's so hard and I just thought, well, this will never end. But I, I just, I have really enjoyed finding, um, times to, to play different sports, learn different sports. I mean, I never, I too, you know, have picked up tennis a little bit. I mean, not just, just with friends, you know, family and whatnot, but golf. I mean, I've learned to golf and, you know, as an adult, I mean, I never, golfed as a kid I you know so I just I think people think you know when you're you have little kids your your life is over and that stuff's in the past and you know I I love to give um, new parents you know the the hope that you know you you will have a semblance of your own life again
1: the day will come (laughs) where you get to kind of choose what you want to do and yeah yeah Yeah, so great um
0: so and and do your kids all sort of live around here
1: too your older ones and stuff? Yes. Um my daughter um my daughter that runs kind of our Instagram account so a lot of people are familiar with her. She's married but they live very close by. They're within 10 minutes of mm-hmm. us. And um then I have a son that's one year older than um that daughter and he is at the U and I have two daughter, two other daughters at the U and they are actually living with me at this time. One is married. Um, She was married last May and she and her husband are living with us. And then my other daughter. And um, so it's, it's really interesting to be, we we kind of had gotten to that point where we had one child at home and it was kind of lonely. And then all of a sudden everybody's coming back and (laughs) we're, it's, it's, a party all the time oh that's so great yeah that's it's so
0: fun oh that's so fun yeah so your husband uh went to medical school yes at and the university of it, utah okay at the u mm-hmm. and then did residency in tucson and yeah. and then in sacramento yes what
1: what type of uh medicine does he practice so he's a trauma surgeon and um, so he works in critical care and mm-hmm. trauma. And um, so it was, it was an extensive process. Um, we were in school for a long, yeah. long time, but it's always been his passion. And mm-hmm. he's very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. He's got um, just a very, which comes into play with our story, but he's got a very um, mild temperament and, and even kill um personality where he just kind of takes things as they come and yeah you'd have to as a mm-hmm. trauma. Daughter. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah.
0: Okay, so we want to get mm-hmm. into your story. For those okay. of, so for those of our listeners that don't know Heather's story, we want to we want to talk about this. I wanted to give the background cuz I I wanted people to understand um where you've come from mm-hmm. to maybe understand where you are now. So let's okay. let's talk about um your this story that that really um has has become just something I think a lot of people have have been inspired by. And so let's let's maybe start from the beginning wherever the beginning is for you.
1: Okay. Um I'll start Uh, It was the 20th of December of last year, so five days before Christmas. And coming up on the anniversary, you know, it's been fresh on our minds. Um, I was going down to Costco. My husband was in surgery, and the plan was for him to go to Costco when he finished. But as I saw the day ticking on, I thought, oh, I better run down and go and so that he can just come home after work and so we had had a birthday party for my daughter the night before and we had a lot of um food left over so i decided um to have my son my 14 year old son's friends come over give their parents a break and do a pizza party. So I was just going to run down and pick up some things from Costco. I pulled into the parking lot and it was busy. It was yeah. really... December 20th. Yeah. It's crazy time. Yeah. Right around 4.30 p.m. and just, it was bustling. And so I had I had left my husband a message, but he had called me back and said he was out of surgery, but I, I was telling him, don't worry about going over. I was there. Or I was going to pick it up. Um, And as I was walking in, I was talking to him. And then um, there were some cars lined up to go out of the parking lot and – Um, One of the cars that I would have been walking through, um, he kind of waved me through. So I knew it was safe to go through. And I wish I always wish um, that I had the visual. My husband made a visual because we've spoken Mm -hmm. to some um, high school students and some other people. And and it's it's hard to imagine what really happened. Mm -hmm. But the best I can explain it is a car um, was backing up. And he was quite far from where I even was. It wasn't like he was backing up and I was behind him. And that wasn't the case. Um, I was walking through. This car was backing up from a, another part of the parking lot. And he um, he was going quite fast. They um, estimate about 30 miles an hour. And he um, came around. I could hear him coming. People were kind of screaming and He ended up hitting the car that was in front of the one I was walking um, in front of. And then he bounced off that car and hit me into another car. Mm -hmm. And then he bounced up onto a snowbank. So there was quite a bit of traction there. And um, immediately I fell to the ground. And um, I was just lying there in the parking lot. Um, I, I was awake the whole time throughout the whole... Incident. Um, And as I was lying there, people came to my aid. um, One woman that has just become a dear, dear friend named Terry held my hand the entire time, and we've just become so close ever since. Um, And then there were quite a few other bystanders that helped. Um, There was a Costco employee that picked up my phone and spoke with my husband. And at that point, he was on the 11th floor of the hospital and He had heard um, me scream, like a startled scream. And then these are kind of his words. I've heard him tell it enough times. And then he heard um, metal um, colliding and then um, nothing. And then so it was such a blessing that somebody picked up the phone and Talked to him and um, he directed my husband. He said, "We're down in the parking lot. Um, this, I assume, this is your wife. She's been hit." And my husband looked out the window, couldn't see anything, so he headed down the stairs, ran down the stairs, and ran across the parking lot um and yeah. just I, I just wanted mm-hmm. to stop i'm trying to make sure people
0: understand the visual is that yes. your your husband knows that that if you know where this is which i i do because i go there quite often to costco but there's it's the hospital the ihc hospital right there in murray right the yes murray correct hospital yes. that's right next to the costco yes so he knew right where you were and you were close
1: yes Yes. oh i mean we within um walking distance and that they do they call that the the costco the hospital costco because it's (laughs) everyone knows it's right there and um so it was just he just had to go across the parking lot and at that point he did see lights and when he got there um He jumped into the ambulance. Had just reached there, and he jumped into the ambulance. And um, he asked if I was doing okay, and I didn't respond. I heard him, but I didn't respond. And then I told him I needed some pain medicine. And um, at and at that point, um, the um, the person in the ambulance said to my husband. Um, Dr. Van Borm, we have your wife's limbs. And that was when he understood that um, what had happened. And he looked down and he saw two tourniquets on my thighs. And I have to just then say that um, there were some bystanders in the parking lot who had uh, made tourniquets out of what they had. And they were instructed by the Murray Fire Department. And these are all just people, heroes, just heroes. Wow, um, we're going
0: to continue your story when okay. we come right back, okay, so we're back here with Heather Van Boren, and she is telling her story about um what happened to her in the Costco parking lot one year ago um you you were in the hospital or you were in the ambulance. your husband's running down, he gets in the ambulance with you yes. tourniquets were put on by by uh Bystanders, bystander, mm-hmm. which is yeah. which is crazy. I mean, I I hope that I would have enough wherewithal to to do that. Um, but I think we all have to be look around and say, you know, thank goodness for the angels around yes. us. Yes, but let's let's pick it up from there. What, so you're you're in the ambulance, and then what?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, we get over to the hospital. I mean, it's it's not even a five minute drive over there. And we get into the um hospital, and they are announcing me and saying, "This is a such and such woman um and my my um injuries and then my husband said, "This is my wife, let's get going and um they take me straight to surgery. Now they could not um immediately give me pain medicine because my blood pressure was so low. Mm. I had lost about two thirds of my blood, which is really dangerous. And, and that's, again, those tourniquets they put on were so vital. The fact that they put those on right, which is really quite a miracle that they were able to do that. Um, and that we were so close to the hospital really saved my life. But, um, so they, they wheeled me in. And then once they got my, me stable, my blood pressure, um, they went into surgery at that point
0: so you said that they they told your husband that there were your limbs so tell us a little bit about what exactly what shape you were in
1: yes yes so um my right leg the leg had been severed immediately so um just um below the knee somewhat my my foot and my tip tibia were gone and it was quite a clean cut. So, mm-hmm. um, that immediately was severed. And then, uh, um, actually the left leg was much more damaged than the right. Mm-hmm. And it, um, the tibia was crushed. The whole leg was crushed. The foot was turned. It was, it was quite, um, a disturbing mess. And mm-hmm. so as my husband put it, I know there were a uh, few orthopedic plastic surgeries, uh, Surgeons in there. There were like six doctors in there operating on me. A vascular, a couple of vascular surgeons. Um, my artery was cut, and so there was no blood flow to the leg. So at that point, they were just trying to put that left leg kind of back together and see what was going to happen. And so they they put that back together. It was kind of in my husband describes it as like a tinker toy type. Um, mechanism that held that leg all together, and then there was a plate in there, and um, they had moved an artery over from the right leg to try and see if they could save that leg. And
0: then, um, so you, so your husband's in there. He's not. Is he allowed to be in surgery? So and that, how is yes. the, how is he? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he does this, you know, and he is even killed. But this has got to be really different i mean it's it's just that's got to be something that i mean no human
1: should have should have to experience it's quite unimaginable and i i think about him a lot because uh, he had to take on these roles a role of husband wanting to be a doctor to say because he's very good at what he does (laughs) you know but in his partner partner was there and then he knew the other surgeons he felt very confident in them but he also didn't want to make them nervous and Mm -hmm. he realized you know the potential of that by hovering around and so for all the surgeries that I um was a part of he really tried to be in there with me but then kind of leave and leave it to the doctors Mm -hmm. um and so that's that's kind of what he did at that point yeah yeah yeah. So, okay. So you're, you get out of surgery yes.
0: and you s- sort of have one leg that's kind of put back together.
1: Yeah. And it's there and you know, the toenails are painted red for Christmas <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, okay. And I come, I, I'm, you know, as, as I come to my, um, I'm surrounded by family and it, it's just, kind of coming out. it I'm just so grateful to be alive and realizing what a blessing that is and then as I start orienting and realizing you know the circumstances um it's a very it was a very peaceful time again right before Christmas and um we so we were all there you know nobody was in school nobody had things to do and so we just kind of were there together and um So as we discussed everything and where we were, um, realizing that that left leg was quite damaged, then the conversation started that maybe we were not going to be able to keep that left leg. So what was that like? Um, what was it like?
0: First of all, physically, I'm sure there was still so much pain and what was it like emotionally to figure out and, and sort of make that decision?
1: Yeah, so um, the pain, that was really interesting. The doctors and the nurses and the techs, everyone did such a good job to try to keep me comfortable, but I really liked their um, process of wanting to keep me comfortable, but also not wanting me to be um, completely out of it, to make decisions, and completely wanted me to be there with my kids, so when we realized that decision needed to be made, we started a lot of conversation. Um, I met with quite a few doctors and talked to them about it. And, you know, everyone seemed to have a different opinion. And when we brought my family in and and the five kids and they're in two spouses at that point um, and my husband – Everybody had different opinions. So it was kind of split down the middle, actually. (laughs) And it was kind of the medical minds were thinking, "Mm, I think we need to amputate. And the the other minds were thinking, oh, no, mom, let's keep your leg and see what happens. And um, at that point, uh, one of the darling nurses, um, which I just can't mention enough, they were all amazing. All of them were darling and amazing and every wonderful word I could think of, but Mm. one of them said to me, I have a friend, um, that is working upstairs right now and she had her leg amputated, kind of a similar situation. She had, um, been in an accident in England. She had decided to keep her leg and she, um, would, I'm sure she would love to talk to you. So Mm. they called her down and she came into the room and, sat down next to me and told me her story that she had been hit by a bullet bike in England. She was running, out running Mm -hmm. and she was a marathon runner and um The boat bike hit her at 100 miles per hour, so her leg was quite damaged. Well, she decided to keep her leg, and she ended up keeping it for about two years. She told me she had just gone into a deep depression, Mm. was very unhappy, and then she decided to amputate it two years later, and then she was able to run marathons. She started working, and it changed her life, and to me, it wasn't as much that our stories were really similar, is that that was an answer to what Mm -hmm. I needed to hear at the time. And it just meant um, it made sense to me. And it it just really became clear to me that that was the right decision. Mm -hmm. And so we spent that um, night knowing the next day that um, we were going to go down for to have that leg amputated. So you
0: hadn't even been out of the hospital. This was during the, those yeah. days after.
1: Yes, that was just um, three days after the accident. And um, I was still in the ICU. And, you know, again, it was before Christmas. We had a very... Dear um, experiences where a music group that we love, the Lower Lights, came and they sang. Um, but again, it was a very peaceful time. It wasn't, never felt frantic. It never felt over emotional, mm-hmm. um, overly emotional. It felt like um, we were just handling it as it came, but all together. And mm. so it really, it, it Sounds like it would be just – I I don't know what people would think. And often people say that's such a horrible time to have that happen. But really it was a, it was a very um, peaceful time for us. And um, people were just so giving. I had the nurses and some of the techs and some of the other people decorated the room. They brought food for my family, which, I I mean, it was just yeah. – so give it, these people who had to work these shifts yeah and uh, so it was just a- amazing how mm. we were touched mm.
0: so so you make the decision and then immediately you go in for for
1: surgery yes the next day well the next morning they took me in and I went down for surgery I, I believe that surgery was about. I want to say that one was seven. It might have been 13 hours. I, mm. I'll get the next two mixed up, but one of them was seven, one was 13. But we went down. They kind of did everything they could. Um, and they couldn't um, cover all of the late. they tried to repair. And so we knew down the road there was going to be a skin graft, but it was, so it was kind of left open. Mm. It was, it was a lot. They did a lot. And we had just come back up to the room and they, um, and I think we were there maybe like an hour. Oh, yeah, that was the 13 hour because mm-hmm. I think it was about one in the morning. And my husband and the nurse on duty noticed that the leg was not working and that the there was no blood flowing down to the lower leg, which it was a big, big deal because it meant the difference between a below the knee amputation and above the knee, which um, it below the knee that's hard enough, but above the knee is a lot more work and it's a lot harder to do everything that you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So that, um, you know, they had a lot of vested interest in trying to keep that artery working and get that blood flow. So I went, found out I needed to go right back down. I felt completely spent. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know how I was going to go through that next surgery. Um, but again, I did a lot of praying and, um, we headed back down to surgery. Wow.
0: So two almost right in a row.
1: Yes. Yeah. Wow.
0: Wow. Okay. So after the second surgery, you you come out and, and what are the, what happens?
1: So we come out of that surgery and um, it, it's looking better. It, mm-hmm. Things are looking better. You know, things can still kind of be touch and go, but um, it, they had made way with artery and it seemed to be working. Um, they had, a and I'm going to forget the tech name of it, but it was like an ultrasound where mm-hmm. they would hear the artery working and the blood flowing. And it's kind of like when you're pregnant and you hear that heartbeat of the baby. It was like that. And I remember it was very painful for them to do it. But every time we heard that heart, um, that blood pumping, it was just the best sound in the world. And... Um, so th- we just kind of lived that for the next few days, kind of hoping that this was working. We did, there were quite a few more surgeries. Um, I think we had 10 in all at that point or it, during that time. But um, yeah, it, it, you know, they just kept having to make little changes and making things better and cleaning things up. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, I want to hear
0: how you're doing now and okay. and some of the things that are going on and and some of the 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 trials that have come since um and we'll do that when we come right back. We're back here with Heather Van Buren she is telling just such an, a powerful story. Um I know that sometimes when really hard and difficult and unbelievable things happen, um miracles usually follow and and it's, it sounds like that's that's been the case. Let's Let's talk a little bit about what recovery looked like, um, what I mean, what it is to to be a part of the amputee community and and you know what what it looks like now, a year a year removed.
1: Okay. I'm going to start with the recovery, just telling a really quick story. Um, on Christmas Eve, my oldest son that's 28 came to me and asked me if he could take the man that hit me, um, a gift and write him a letter. And my son's very, um, quiet and thought he's very thoughtful person, but he ended up writing the man, a letter of, um, forgiveness and, um, just wanted to let the man know that he, he should move on and know that we're going to be okay. And he took him a gift and he just put it on his porch. And I bring that up because at with along with all the other kids and everything that they did the Instagram that my daughter Annika's put together and the um, everything that my other two daughters have done and my cute fourteen year old um, they they've all pulled together and because of these little um, acts of wanting to move forward recovery has been a lot easier than people would imagine. Um, We let go of any anger, or any bad feelings we could have had, and that allowed us to move forward. Um, We pulled together. um, We're a very spiritual family, and we used um, our belief to pull together. And then physically, we, for lack of a better term, we busted it. We (laughs) decided we were going to—when you were talking about wanting to learn sports and being good at sports— That's what I said to my doctor and my physical therapist. I'm going to treat this as a sport and I want to know everything about it and I want to be really good at it. And that's what we kind of did. And we started working right off the bat at getting strong, eating really healthy and well. And um, so uh, we kind of did this as a family, really. And there was that aspect of it. We would kind of um, work out and everybody pitched in. We Cooked together we ate together a lot more than most families do and um then there was all the uh, also the aspect that we wanted to give back and when people would ask what can we do for your family it there came a time where we couldn't take any more food in our fridge we couldn't <laughs> use any more anything so my husband said please give blood and and so my daughter and the other kids Put together blood drives, and we stood They started running blood drives, and um, d- we're able to bring in a lot of blood, which our hospitals are always mm-hmm. in need of blood. And 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 then we started doing um, a fundraiser for Wasatch Adaptive Sports, and and so as we started to give back, it helped us to keep moving forward and to um, and to grow. And then we decided, you know that. Um, we we wanted to become a major part of this community, the amputee community. And I will be honest, at first I was a little hesitant. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know anyone. I'd never known anyone who had anything amputated. And... I was not ready to embrace it and then I became immersed in it and I really owe that to my daughter and my kids as well because they embraced it and Mm -hmm. as I started going to the activities that they provide and they would teach me how to walk and then run and then climb and then ride bikes and and I'm going to learn to ski pretty soon and It's like this community there. Everybody's pulling for each other and everybody um, is so positive. And I really am loving being a part of that community. And I've really embraced it and just found the most wonderful salt of the earth people. So healing, it's come quite a long ways. And and we've had great experiences. Our family did a 60 mile ride up in Park City this summer. Wow. So fun really tested my limits and some of theirs and it was great it was really great and and um yeah we've just had a lot of fun and then you know to the as I said the anniversary is coming up and we're going to go to the beach and just be a family during that time and I can't wait I've already passed it off with my um pro- prosthetist that I'm going to get in the ocean, which is one of my favorite places to be. And who knows? Maybe surf? I don't know. But we'll try whatever. <laughs> no doubt. No yeah. doubt that yeah. you will do it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really coming along. That's
0: amazing. I want to go back to something you talked about at the beginning with your son and forgiveness. Um I, re- I recently read an article. It was the New York Times. It was an opinion article about um forgiveness. And how our country is struggling and the antidote to that what ails us is forgiveness do you believe that and clearly you've you felt that do you you felt the healing within yourselves what is it about forgiveness that heals the forgiver
1: yeah I think forgiveness is um, such a great form of um, I kind of explain it like this it really takes the negative out of your body it it relieves you of that carrying something that is so hard and burdensome to carry and heavy that you can let go and feel this um weightless feeling once you've let something like that go and I kind of team it with serving because Mm -hmm. as soon as you can let go of your problems and just realize that everybody is going through something like you say as a country you could not find one person who isn't going through something hard um really the minute we kind of look outside of our of our nose or our front door, or you know, away from our nose, we see others, and then the minute we start to serve others, we really forget our own needs, and we start finding joy in doing for others and forget ourselves. And I love that um, at this time of year we're really focused on that. I I have been so impressed by and quite inundated by these. Um, pleads for um, food and clothing and toys for kids and, and to help families right now. And I think it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I think it is wonderful because we're realizing we're a community and we just all need to be there for each other and help each other. And then we can all be a little happier.
0: Yeah. So your, your son sort of started that forgiveness journey. Um, Was it, I know in my own experience, I think some people are a little, um, like you said, he he's, he's thoughtful that that maybe was just something that he thought of right, right off the bat. Was it harder for some than others in the family? I just know that some people like it's like a personality trait. That's maybe easier for other people. uh, You know, some people than others. Um, You know, I think some of us, enjoy our grudges. Some, some of us like hold on to that, like a, yeah. like a dirty blanket. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's comfortable yeah. if we're, if we're mad how, I mean, there's got, there had to have been some difficulty in the forgiveness
1: or maybe not, yes, maybe no, not for your family. No, for I don't know. Sure. We had some kids that weren't all for that idea because they did talk about it Um However, they were fine allowing it to happen, but they said, I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. And we said, that's great. That's totally fine because it, like you said, it's a blanket and pain is pain. Everybody, I, I, people say to me, I can't complain to you about this because look at you, pain is pain. And if you feel that, um, you're in pain and you can't just dismiss it. And I don't want to sound like we are just angelic and it was just, you know, everything's just easy and we just let go. But I, I always say to those of you who are older, the Pollyanna theory, <laughs> I am no Pollyanna. I, you know, she that was just a girl who always saw everything as as perfect and pleasant and happy. Um, but I do think a lot of people want to hold on to it Because it almost, they can't um, understand the injustice and believe that something's so horrible or somebody could say something so wrong or do something so wrong. But I think the fact of the matter is, most people aren't out to hurt people and most people aren't trying to um, say the wrong thing. They just, most people are just doing the best they can. And really, my husband's a really good, example of this, but you know, you can assume that people mean the worst or trying to do the worst and you're just always, you're always going to feel bad or you can assume they're trying to do the best they can and mean the best they can. And that takes it away from you and puts it on what they do with it. And I think that's really powerful is I You know, I can't say what the person who hit me, what they were doing, how it happened, how they reacted to it, how they felt about it. But I could leave that to them by just saying it's up to them. It's not up to me. All I can control is how I'm going to feel about it. And sometimes it does take a little longer. You know, I you. You can be angry about something, um, and surprisingly, it can take a little while to get over, but the sooner you do, just the Mm. better you feel. Mm, For sure. Talk just maybe briefly
0: about the mental health journey. There had to have been um, some real, I I assume there had to have been some real battles to stay positive, to reevaluate what your life looks like going forward, and and i don't know maybe maybe you didn't but it feels like I, I think you know putting myself in your position it feels like there might have been some struggles for me to 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 be positive to not wallow in it a little bit um how was it with your mental health and you know just even trying to figure out what does my life look like now it's there's there's got to be some mourning of your previous abilities and, and looking forward to, you know, figuring out a new normal.
1: Yeah. And the mental health. And again, I have to applaud, um, Intermountain Healthcare because they had sent someone into my room when I got up to rehab. Um, and again, everybody was so wonderful up there and so helpful, but they actually sent people in to make sure I was mentally doing okay and to teach me things, ways to cope. Um, there were wonderful strategies, but one thing that really impacted me was a man, um, came in and Dr. Jasper, I'm just going to shout out to him, but (laughs) he, um, brought in a book. He actually, I was reading a book when he came in and, and he, he said, how about I read your book and you read a book that I'm going to suggest. And we swapped the names (laughs) of our books and he suggested a book, um, called the book of joy. And it's, um, it was a book, um, done. It was interviews with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And I've
0: read it. It's a wonderful. Isn't book. it wonderful? It's a fantastic book.
1: I mean, I can only say that it changed my life. And I've kind of been this advocate for yeah. this book because I laid in rehab every night listening to this book because he told me I had to listen to it so I could hear. Yes, because you accents. do the. Yeah, you do. Yes. The, it's interview style yes. is the book. Yeah, and it's, it's their fantastic. voices. Yes, but if you really hear these men talking and I believe they are just so guided but they're really telling us that um, we can move forward and we can find joy in any circumstances we're in. Mm -hmm. Any circumstances. So from that point i I. Really, I can honestly say we have not really struggled. I made my husband get checked out before I, I said, I won't leave the hospital till you get checked out for PTSD. <laughs> and, and Dr. Jasper met with him and we made sure we were mentally health, healthy before we left the hospital. And I because that was important to me. And, um, since then, I've read the book probably two more times. Mm-hmm. and but other than that, we haven't had a lot of mental struggle and but when we do, we'll check in, I think. And mm-hmm. I think that's important too, and to be upfront and honest about it, and I think so often right now, um, people find being honest about mental health um, shameful, and there's nothing to be. Uh, To feel shame about it's, we all go through times when we feel a little darker or unhappier, and I'm happy to say we haven't had many of those times. But if we do, we'll definitely check in. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's amazing and
0: and great thoughts too about you know making sure that if you do you know get help, and I I feel like I think things are turning a corner in that sort of shame area. I think. Um, At least when I talk to youth and there's so many, I just saw new statistics about um, uh, adolescence and mental health and some really disturbing statistics. And I just think we're we're beyond the place where that's I hope like I I'm, you know, putting this out to the universe that we're we're past that. We need to just help each other and and make sure that everybody's okay. So I, I love that idea. Yeah. Um I do want to just talk about you had your first grandbaby <laughs> <It's> thrilling <laughs> so talk a little bit about what that's been like and and you know what kind of grandma are you going to be uh, I'm going to be the best grandma that I ever know. was
1: <laughs> Um yes I'll I'll just tell the story so Greta was my little grandbaby was born uh on the 28th of December, so eight days after the accident happened. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And wow. she was supposed to be delivered at another hospital, but they um, po- there were some strings pulled, and she was delivered at the hospital, and they... They I remember they braided all the tubes and and everything coming out of me and they put me on a gurney and they took me down to see this baby board and I was so thrilled and I'll just tell a story because everyone seems to love it. But my daughter and again, I was a little hopped up on medication, as my (laughs) husband says, but my daughter says, Mom, um, we would like to name her Greta Heather after you. And Mm. I said, oh, honey, I am so honored. And she said, Without it missing a beat, she said, "Oh, well, she'll have really big f- shoes to fill." And then she had this horrified look <laughs> on her face. We have we have video of it. But there again, we've learned that that having a sense of humor through this is is a big deal. But that granddaughter <laughs> has just saved me. I just adore her. Being a grandparent is so much more fun than being a parent and <laughs> i've heard yeah it's <laughs> wonderful and i spent a lot i spent a lot of time with her um and i i really do find every moment precious whether we're just sitting on the ground playing or whether I'm teaching her how to drink out of a straw it's I'm just so grateful to be Mm. here and she has just brought this light into our world and our family together so another beautiful miracle yeah that's that's amazing well
0: Heather this has been just really inspirational for for me and and I know for our listeners and thank you again for sharing your story and thank you to your family Your daughters are amazing, your family's amazing, and um, we look up to you so much and are completely inspired by you. So thank you again for sharing your story here today.
1: Thank you, and I just wanted to say I I appreciate you having me on, and I'm just so amazed at everything you're doing. I I really love your platform, and so thank you. This is an honor. Thanks, Heather.
0: You can find Heather and her family and her stories on Instagram at VB underscore flower underscore power and check out the books we talked about as well. Thanks for being a friend.